You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This this episode is a tribute from 5731. Uh, this is Igor's Moshe Orechaim, Chelek from uh, Rabbi Yaakov uh, Dardak. Uh, the question is, if you have um, utensils of the kind that require tzvila, and um, there's a suffix if they have been made in a Jewish factory and therefore don't require tzvila, um, so you tell them with a bracha, you tell, can't tell them with a bracha if there's a if there's a suffix, so the question is, can you tovel them without a bracha, uh, or even not tovel them, um, or, um, or do you have to uh, investigate all the way? So Moshe says, um, generally what we say is, make it right, tovel, right if, there's a, if there's a suffix, so then you tovel them without a bracha. And if they're glass, he says, which he holds, the, right, the tvila is only, there is a chiv tvila, but it's the rabbanan. Uh, then he says, yesh makom l'hakel, there is space to be lenient, uh, that you don't have to tovel these kalim at all. The suffix the rabbanon lekula. However, he says, but because in most cases you can clarify it. So I think when he says that it's suffix the rabbanon lekula, what he really means is there isn't even a amir hamatsui. But he says, but kevan shirov hapamim efsher levarer. Most times you can clarify it. So here he uses the language again um, that he used that he used by gelatin. He says, "Let's." But since there's still some capacity of clarifying, it's not really a doubt. Um, right? The actual, but we have to, you know, be nuanced with language. He says, "Kevan should happy." So maybe um, we can say that you know there's a double level of suffix, right? In order for something to be considered efshar levarer. It has to be most of the time capable. Right? We don't. Right? If there's a ten percent chance of gaining additional evidence, or or a fifth, right? unless there's a fifty percent chance, at least maybe it has to be fifty one percent chance of gaining additional evidence. You don't have to um, bother to uh, to engage in it. Right? This, it's because rove pamin eshulavara. We could you know, raise interesting statistical questions. Is there a difference between a fifty percent chance of evidence that has a five percent chance of changing your mind, and a um, you know a five percent chance of obtaining evidence that has a 50% chance of changing your mind. He seems to be here formally saying that the question is, what are the uh, what are the uh, the overall odds that you can gain additional clarity? Um, right, let's leave that formulation for now. And he says, in such a case, we view you as being lazy when you don't clarify, right? So we don't, and therefore we don't call it, we don't call it a, um, we don't call it a suffix. He doesn't talk about how difficult it is to clarify or not. Uh, it's interesting to me that he thinks that um, you can generally clarify whether utensils were made in a Jewish factory. I'm not sure uh, what he means. Maybe I guess he thinks you can look up the. You can, I don't know what he whether he, I, I guess he thinks maybe corporations, and then you could look up you could know whether the corporations are majority shareholders. It's an interesting claim um, that uh, just you know, the the reality claim that you can investigate this is not obvious to me, and therefore he says. Um, what he thinks is that even though there's yesh makom l'hakel, that you don't have to tovil a glass kalim that have some degree of suffix that they were made in a Jewish factory, in practice you should have to tovel, you should tovel them without a bracha, um, which he thinks is better than requiring you to investigate, because what do you lose if you're tovel without a bracha? That's also something that one could uh, conceivably discuss. Um, 
However, if they're right, if they are um, from a non-Jewish factory, then he thinks that even glass has to be uh, tovled with a bracha, right? Issue independent of our issue. Therefore, he says, "Kalim that come um, again." This is in Tufshin Lamed Aleph. Uh, Kalim that come from Japan or China, where uh, there are no Jews. Uh, that is obviously no longer true if it was true then, but where there are probably not many Jews who own uh, tableware fact, uh, factories. Um, and even he thinks those who come from, from Europe, he thinks that you can be tovel with the bracha because most of them are non-Jews, and he doesn't require further investigation there. Uh, so maybe he thinks you can only it's only easy to investigate kalim that are produced in the United States, but once you get to bringing kalim from abroad, uh, either he thinks the odds that they're Jewish are so low, but he says robe, he doesn't say overwhelming robe, he doesn't say in a so it might be that he thinks that the um, that, that really investigating things in foreign countries was too much of a bother we could, you know, question whether that is still the case when uh, long distance phone calls are cheap and, and on uh, generally on uh, fixed plans uh, often on fixed plans anyway and you have the internet um, okay, but then, um, and then he says uh, a couple of other interesting things um uh, he says you might think that what matters is not uh, whether it's the factory is owned, but who the workman is, because of the principle uman kone b'shevach kli. But he says, a that doesn't work in factories, and he makes a very interesting claim. We have to explain a different context, because what makes the kli is the machine, and not the person. And the people running the machines are considered to be assisting the machines. They're not remaking the pot in the way in Uman did in, um, in Talmudic times. And he gives a second reason, so we shouldn't confuse them, which is that the workers aren't craftsmen who are paid by the piece, they're paid by the hour, and therefore they certainly don't acquire um, the utensils. But it's really interesting to me is the claim that, um, that workers in factories are assistants to the machines. Now, I don't think that he thinks this about matzah in quite the same way, so it, worth investigating uh, what his standards are for when the machine is carrying out the will of the human and when the human is simply assisting the machine and can we distinguish, distinguish between purposes of tevila uh, and purposes of, uh, of um, kavana lishma in the context of matzah and other things. Okay, but for our purposes in the context of Eshelavar, right, the key issue here is that Ravosha makes a reality claim, which may or may not um, that um, and he, right, in which he says that, that such, um, that you can clarify, at least in items manufactured in the United States, whether the manufacturer was Jewish or not Jewish. And he introduces this new standard of, since most of the time you can clarify, um, and, right, and that might, um, it, that might introduce leniencies in other areas where even if there is a, you know, a possibility of gaining really, uh, important evidence, if the odds of obtaining it are low, uh, we might, Say well, then it's a suffix because you have because you're not being lazy, and if it's a real suffix, um, and there is and right and it would take effort to investigate, um, then um, then it's you know, then there's no uh, formal chiyah to be mivar. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.